right, Wednesday night Bible study. Welcome, glad to have you with us. We are in Genesis, going through the book of beginnings. A little recap here. What really the book of Genesis is all about is really trying to explain or put into context where our faith lineage comes from, specifically the nation of Israel. What is Israel? When you say the 12 tribes of Israel, who are the 12 tribes? Where do they come from? All this is important because it came through the promise of Abraham, came through the Jewish nation, the promise being Jesus, the Messiah, who came to redeem us from our sins. Thank God for that. Or we'd all be doomed. Because if you're anything like me, you're an idiot. And we all sin, and we all make mistakes, and we all do dumb things, and we all make mistakes. And thank God there's forgiveness, hallelujah, and that you don't have to work it off. You can't work it off. You can't buy it off. We are hopelessly lost without Jesus. Anyway, so this promise of the Messiah, which came really from the very beginning when Adam and Eve first fell, promising to the woman that someday her seed would bruise the head of the serpent. This all came through this nation of Israel. Well... Um, Genesis starts out in the lightest of terms, enough that people still argue about, you know, the creation, exactly how did it happen, and then, you know, we see the flood and all these things, and he really kind of just, boom, 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 just kind of very quickly, just kind of goes over it quickly, uh, saying, this is what happened, this is da 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 even not uh, lots of detail about any of these things, but then, uh, then he starts getting up to Abraham, and from there on, we're getting a lot more detail, and we're looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Okay, these are the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, patriarchs of faith. Uh, Father Abraham, uh, we, we studied that, it's an incredible story. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Now Jacob was uh, actually the second born. There were twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was first born. He should have had the right, the birthright to uh, become the patriarch. But uh, he sold that out for a bowl of soup. Not the smartest thing in the world to do despised and did not respect the blessings that he had coming uh, in the end then uh, Jacob felt totally justified in in fooling the father so he got the blessing <clears throat> so anyway you know obviously when this happened and uh, Jacob got all the blessings and Esau saw what had happened he wasn't really thrilled with his brother and he wanted to kill the brother so the brother got out of town and he went far away and went to hang out with his uncle Laban. And when he got to his uncle Laban, uncle Laban had two daughters, uh, Rachel, who was quite the babe, and Leah, who was not quite so stunningly attractive. And uh, he sees Rachel and says, man, I'll, I'll, I'll work for that. And he says to Laban, says, I'll work for you for seven years if I can have your daughter, Rachel. And Laban says, Deal. And so he works for seven years, and on their wedding night, uh, obviously there wasn't a lot of dating going on here because he didn't really know the girl or anything, because it wasn't until the next morning that he discovered, Hoochie Mama, it's not Rachel. Ah! It's Leah. Poor Leah. Don't you feel for her? What a sweet little lady, and he was a big fat stinking jerk to her. But anyway, so then Rach, uh, Jacob gets mad and goes to Laban and says, Hey, what's the deal? We said seven years for Rachel. He said, well, yeah, but around here you can't let the older daughter go unmarried first. So he says, you work for another seven years, you can have Rachel. Uh, he didn't actually have to work for another seven before he got her. He just had to wait, wait out the week with Leah. <laughs> Poor Leah. And then he got Rachel and then he worked for another seven years or whatever. All right, so that's where we pick it up. 
Okay? Now, what we're going to, what we're about to see here is, uh, first of all, it, it talked about uh, Rachel and Leah, and then specifically talked, mentioned the two maidservants that were given to each one. Why is that significant? Because you're about to see that uh, um, in, an, in an effort to have more children, they gave their maidservants to Jacob. So these maidservants also became mothers of what we're about to find, these 12 men. Uh, Jacob's name is about to be changed to Israel. This is what Israel is. Okay, these are the Israelites. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name gets changed to Israel. He has 12 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. Genesis, the beginnings. That's what this is laying all out for. So now we're about to get into the baby wars. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. There's no Darth Vader or anything, but we're in the baby wars here. And here we go. Verse 31 of chapter 29. Now, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, ah, oh, sad, he opened her womb. He blessed her. But Rachel wasn't getting blessed. She wasn't having children. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. He's the oldest. This is of the tribe of Reuben. Okay, so he's the very first one. Um, Reuben means uh, he has seen my misery. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, that's a funny name. Anyway, um, who has seen? He's, he's, God has seen my misery. He's given me this answer. And, and, and all these guys get named kind of in the context of what happened uh, with them. And uh, anyway, okay. My joke came in my head again about that. Anyway, so... Um, for surely he has seen my misery okay call him Reuben for he has seen my misery surely my husband will love me now now my husband will love me okay because I've given him a son Uh, and then she conceived again and when she gave birth to a son uh, she said because the Lord heard that I am not loved he gave me this one too so it didn't help any he still didn't love her in the way she wanted to be loved so she calls this one uh, Simeon which means one who hears. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. And he was named uh, Levi, meaning one who is attached. Now, uh, so here we have the three. Then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Okay? Which means praise. Okay, then she stopped having children. And we'll find out in a minute here. The reason she stopped having children is because Jacob quit having sex with her. And the reason Jacob quit having sex with her is because younger sister Rachel got really hacked off. Because she's having all the babies and she's not. So told Jacob, no more sex with this woman. And of course, he, she was the one he favored, so he listens to her. Well, picking up now at chapter 30. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister, so she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die! And Jacob got ticked off and he said, Wait a minute, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? What he's saying is, it's not my fault! Don't yell at me! So then she said, well, here is Bilhah. This is the maidservant that the father gave when he gave the daughter. And said, here, 
Have my maidservant Bilah sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and that through her I too can build a family. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife and Jacob slept with her though I doubt there was very little sleeping going on and she became pregnant <laughs> and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan, which means vindicated. All right. Now, Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister and I have won. Woohoo. So she named him Naphtali, which means my struggle. Then when Leah saw that she had stopped having uh, children, she took her maidservant Zilpha and gave her to Jacob. So, so Leah now saw she stopped having children. Again, we're going to find out why, because he wouldn't have sex with her. So he gives him her maidservant and says, have sex with this one. And poor Jacob, what a rough job he had. She wins. <laughs> yeah, my heart breaks for this guy. Anyway, Leah's servant Zilpha bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune? And she gave him the name Gad, which means good fortune. Well, Leah's servant Zilpha bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy am I? The women will call me happy. And she named him Asher, which means happy. All right, now you're kind of getting the feel here of what's, what's going. Well, now, during the wheat harvest, now check this out. Reuben, who's now the oldest son, went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother, Leah. Well, Rachel sees the mandrake plants and says, man, I want some of those mandrake plants. I don't even know what a mandrake plant is, but whatever it is. But so she says to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Ding, 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 ding. Why she quit having kids. All right. Will you now take my son's mandrakes too? <laughs> Rachel says, okay, he can sleep with you tonight. And return for your son's mandrakes. It's like these chicks are pimping him out, man. <laughs> so when Jacob comes in from the fields, that evening Leah went out to meet him and said, Hey, you gotta sleep with me. Because I've hired you. you with my son's mandrakes I'd be thinking well how many mandrakes did you get what am I worth you know so he slept with her that night again very little sleeping actually happening here so God listened to Leah and she became pregnant so she starts having babies again this girl is like a baby factory okay she's just popping them out bore Jacob a fifth son then Leah said God has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my husband, so she named him Issachar, which means reward. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. 
Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor. See, she's still trying to win the boy's heart. So sad. You know, honestly, if you're going to have this many women, be nice to them. If you're going to be a polygamist, love them all. Don't be a polygamist, by the way. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Just something like, what in the world? She still feels awful because obviously he, he's not showing her a whole lot of affection. Certainly giving her some physical attention, but not a lot of affection, apparently. So uh, she calls him Zebulon, which means honor. So now she has all this honor. Now, sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and her name and named her Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. That's a different song. Anyway, um, now we don't know that they were having other daughters. Now, they could have been having daughters the whole time. Now, remember, at this point, Reuben, the oldest one, is old enough to actually be going out in the fields and stuff like that. So some time has passed. Uh, But in the Bible, pretty much women were kind of counted along with the chickens and the squirrels and the lambs and everything else. You know, it's just they weren't given much honor, um, you know, uh, when uh, if they get named, it's usually for a specific reason, which we're going to find out. Going into the so as soon as you see, oh, a girl's been named, ooh, something's coming, okay? Yeah, something's coming. Otherwise, they don't name them. So for all we know, they could have been having lots of daughters in the meanwhile, but it was like that didn't count. You had to have sons. So she had Dinah, and we hear about Dinah, we'll run into her later. Now then, God remembered Rachel, finally Rachel. So he listened to her and opened her womb, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. And she calls him uh, Joseph, which means add. I don't know what that means. I guess added something to her. Her blessings took away her, her uh, disgrace. Um, which now, this is, this is the Joseph we're going to be reading about in a little bit. Who has the dreams and his brothers try to kill him and goes into Egypt. You know, so this is, a, this is a major player here, Mr. Joseph. So this is finally Rachel's son. Uh, and he, so he called him Joseph, which means add, and then said, may the Lord add to me another son. So there you go. All right. So now, so now we're up to what? That was like 13. No, no, 11, not 13. There weren't 13 tribes of Israel. There were only 12. Uh, 11. So there's still one more to come. So this is where these men are coming from that become the tribes of Jacob, whose name is going to become Israel. And all this is very important, certainly in, in terms of Jewish history where all this stuff comes from. All right, so now, after Rachel gave birth to uh, Joseph, Jacob says to Laban, his uncle, look, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said, look, if I found favor in your eyes, please stay. I've, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. I've learned by divination. Now, here's the first sign that we have of, of people again this is Genesis very early in the beginning signs of guys looking for some kind of spiritual signs like tarot cards going to a sorceress or you know some kind of fortune teller or whatever else uh, so this is what Laban does he, he, he checks out with this person who divines to find out what's happening and why things are happening um, he didn't really get uh, uh, we don't know what what uh, they knew or did not know about this behavior. 
we do know that when the law of Moses comes, which is another 400 years, this is strictly forbidden. You're not to be going to uh, sorcerers and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, going, to, you know, and, and to this day, you really shouldn't be checking out the stars and trying to figure out stuff. You know, we have a relationship with God and by his Holy Spirit, he guides and leads us. We have his truth. We trust him. We don't need to go to witchcraft or any other kind of bizarre things to figure out what's going to happen, you know, uh, today. All right. So, but at, at this point, none of that's been, at least as far as we've seen, condemned. So I don't know how much he knew he was supposed to do or not do, but he was already into uh, uh, divination. I, I think uh, we see here in a little bit that he also had a problem worshiping other idols and stuff, but uh, uh, we'll get to that. So anyway, he finds out, he says, when I, when I went by this, whoever he went to to find this out, he says, the reason I'm being so blessed, according to the soothsayer, whoever spoke to me, is because of you. It's because God has been blessing you. So please don't go. I mean, you know, so, so he added, your, name your wages and I'll pay them. Whatever you want, you can have. But I want you to stay by me because my life has been incredibly blessed. And accordingly, it's because of you and God blessing you. So then Jacob says to him, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? And he said, well, what should I give you? He said, well, don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled sheep or spotted sheep and every dark-colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. And my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, if you go and see what I have, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. So I, this is what I'm going to do. I'll just take the speckled ones. Okay? This is what I will keep. And you will be able to tell whether or not I've been cheating because you'll be able to see if, if any of the solid colored things. Well, Laban said, sure. Sounds like a deal to me. So let it be as you said. So that same day, he, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled and spotted female goats and that had white on them and all the dark colored lambs and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put uh, a three-day journey between himself and Jacob. So there was a little bit of distance, obviously, uh, so they wouldn't uh, interact while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flock. So he set him off a little bit further, you guys, boys. He had a bunch of them. You watch it just go a few days journey away from here and, and uh, blah, 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 blah. So he keeps doing this deal. Now check, check, check out what he does. Now Jacob uh, took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he peeled the, uh, placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that uh, they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Now, uh, well, I'll keep reading here. Jacob set apart uh, the young of the flock by themselves but made the rest face the streak and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. So, <laughs> what he's doing here is... He sets in front of the animals this, 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 like this wall that's all streaked and spotted. 
So getting this, this visualization in their heads, and then he'd have them look and point at the other animals that were streaked and spotted. Okay. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones went to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. Okay, now, uh, I don't know, I don't know anything about animals, you know, really at all. I, we got two cats, and, and that's all I know, and I don't do much with them, even as it is, okay? So, you know, I could have researched this more, and I, I don't know if this is something that actually can happen with animals, or if this was just a miraculous thing here that went on. But apparently, uh, if these animals kept seeing all of these spots and stuff like that, they actually had offspring that were spotted. I don't know if you can actually do that or not. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming this was some miraculous thing that was happening. Uh, But there's a great lesson here for all of us. One of the things for, for people to start to experience miracles in their lives is they've got to be able to see them before they experience them does that make any sense obviously not (laughs) huh jesus said whatever you ask for in prayer if you've believed you've already received it then you'll have it what See, he's saying you actually have to believe it's a reality before you can actually experience it. In other words, a lot of people, they struggle so much and they think, you know, boy, if I can just see with these eyes, I'll believe. No, because throughout the Bible and even in Jesus' time, the miracles that Jesus did, a lot of the people who were screaming, crucify him, crucify him, saw the miracles he had done. They saw stuff that you and I would pay big money to see. And it didn't change them one stinking bit. Even though they could see. See, the most important thing is to see it here. Okay? Can you picture what you're wanting to experience before you get it? It's a really big question. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times I'll come to somebody who's maybe really struggling in life. And they're coming up, up to the front or something. And, and they're praying and say, you know, I'm, I'm asking God to do this. Or I'm, I'm trusting God to do that. And oftentimes I'll stop and ask them. So let me ask you a question. Can you imagine, just in your mind, can you imagine getting the answer to your prayer? And 99% of the time they all look at me and go, no, I can't even imagine it. Whew. And I pray for them and encourage them. But I got to tell you something. If you can't even imagine your answer, it's highly unlikely you're going to get your answer. You have got to get to a place of faith. Now, Now check it out. You should be able to imagine anything. If I said, imagine a polka dotted elephant in Bermuda shorts. Right now, most of you can imagine that. And, 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 if, and, if you, and if you doubt me for a minute, look at anything that you're struggling with now that you're trusting God for and try and imagine the answer and see how hard it is. It is amazing. You should be able to imagine anything just to picture the answer in your own heart and in your own mind. And it's amazing when you're really in need for a miracle how many people literally seem to not be able to do it. 
Though you should be able to imagine anything. No matter how ridiculous or absurd. The reality is, you have got to press past that. Boy, if I was going to take that, I'm not going to take the time to go into a whole teaching on faith. But part of faith is you've got to actually be able to imagine it happening in your life before it happens. Just like Laban, or, or Jacob here, got the sheep to imagine what he was. I don't know if, the, if it was the sheep imagining or if it was him imagining it. But he got to a place of faith, something was happening, and all of a sudden, all these spotted, streaked out animals started coming out. And they all went into his pile. And he started making out like a bandit. But it's all this picture of being able to see something before it really happens. It is such a picture of faith. Can you see your answer? Can you see your answer? You see, because once you can see it in here, then you can start to experience it in reality. It's called faith. Faith is not hoping and wishing and crossing your fingers and your arms and your toes and you go, and you go, <laughs> I hope, are you praying? Yes. I'm hoping God answers my prayers. I just, is there some wood? I'll knock on it. Anything. That, is that for me? Turn that thing off. It, it, that's not faith. Faith is actually getting to a place where it's as if You've already seen the answer before you get it. Boy, are you guys looking at me like I dropped in from Mars. Is my fly open? What is the deal here? (laughs) Have you never heard this? Honestly, you've got to believe it in your heart. Jesus says, if you can believe you've received it. Wait a minute. Believe I received it. If I believe I received it, I've already received it. Why do I need it? He says, if you believe you've received it as if it's already taken place, then you can have it. Now, I know some of you are really struggling with this, but let me tell you something. You're all experts at this. Every one of you sitting here from the negative side of life. It's called fear. And what you do in fear is you stop and you picture the worst case scenario. And you think to yourself, oh my goodness, oh, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be horrible. I mean, this is going to happen, and this terrible thing's going to happen, and, and, you know, the doctor, I got a cold, it could, could be, you know, cancer of the nose. And I'm going to die, and my kids are going to be sad, they're going to cry, and I wonder if anybody will come to my funeral. I'm telling you, people rehearse these things. A lot of you do this all the time. All of you do it. Rehearse the most negative thing. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to To the point it actually physically affects you. To where your stomach starts to nod up. You know what you're doing? You're seeing it before it happens. From the negative side. It's called fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. People do this. Oh, man, I know people. They rehearse everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on. They picture the worst possible scenario. I had a friend once who I was going into Chicago, and he said, "Well, whatever you do, make sure you don't get on the on the on the on the trains going into Chicago." I said, "Why?" He says, "Because because they'll stab you and they'll kill you." <laughs> he was serious as a heart attack, and then this guy, by nature, feared everything. He everything he touched, he just pictured in vivid detail the most worst situation that could happen. They'll, they'll stab you and they'll kill you. I said, really? You mean every day people get on the train and then at the end they have body bags and they pull them all out dead. <laughs> I mean, the very idea is unbelievably ludicrous. But yet people key off of their greatest fears and they live it and they experience it. 
And they fear and they're afraid of what will happen and they rehearse it over and over and over again into their minds till it physically starts to change their body. Their blood pressure goes up. Their stomach starts to tighten. It's called stress. Some of you are sick physically just because you see it before it happens and you do it all the time. What I'm telling you to do is the opposite. How about seeing the answer to your prayer before you get it? How about actually to the point, rehearsing God's blessings, rehearsing God coming through for you, to the point that it affects you physically. And you know what that's called? Peace. Peace just kind of floats over the top of you. And you actually start to relax. Now some of you have done this already just with the lottery. <laughs> Come on, admit it, you little sinners. You know that number <laughs> That number goes up to a hundred million or whatever, and you're gonna go buy some stupid little ticket. It's a tax on ignorance, okay? And you get the ticket and you start imagining. Ooh, what would I do with a hundred million? Well, I'd give Pastor Mark at least 10 million. <laughs> that should be in the dream, by the way. And, and I can get this, and I can buy this, and this will happen. And some, to the point that your heart races, and endorphins are released into your bloodstream. And you, see, you know what I'm talking about. You all do this stuff, except when it comes to prayer and faith. Then it's just, oh God, take it. And then you live in Fearsville rehearsing the worst scenario. Wondering why God isn't answering your prayer. Because you have to have faith. Well, I prayed. It's not the same. Just telling God your life stinks is not the same as having faith. To the point where you can actually rehearse this answer. It's like you start to see your answer. And you start to believe it before you receive it. That's what Jesus said. How can you believe before you see? Because you always believe what you can see. But you're not seeing here, you're seeing it here. And the answer comes and you're not shocked by the answer. You can always tell some people they're just shocked when God answers their prayers. Just by grace. He knows you're a little rat, but he gives you your answer anyway. And people are like, oh, I got my answer! <laughs> Hello? You know, I know this is a big step for some of you, but I, I just got to belabor this because you've got to get to this place where you can start to truly experience God's answer in your heart, in your mind, before you ever see it. And you know what starts happening? You know what starts happening? Let's let's say, you know, your your financial guy says uh, you're gonna lose all your money, probably in a lot of people's mind today. All right. And, and, and something's going to, and you're trusting God for a financial miracle. And you actually think it through and you experience it in your heart to the point where you start picturing what it's going to be like when the answer comes. When the answer comes, I just know it's going to be fabulous. I know it's going to be great. And to the point where it actually physically starts to change you and you calm down. And you, and you know what? You will actually find yourself becoming thankful. And you start praising God for something that hasn't happened yet. It's called faith. It's called faith. 
You literally, and you're not just saying it because someone told you. But if you're going to have faith, you must praise God before you get the answer. Okay, okay. <laughs> praise you God, praise you God. <laughs> I did it, it didn't work. No, I mean, that's what you wind up doing, but just doing it isn't the key. The key is you will naturally do this if you will start picturing God's answer in your life. To the point, just like when you worry, you're great experts in worrying, you do the opposite. You rehearse it in your mind, the best possible scenario. God answering my prayer, my my son getting saved, you know, the doctor telling me that I'm getting better. You know, whatever it is that you're trusting God for, your family getting saved, whatever the deal is. I don't know, you all have different prayer requests tonight. But to where you just stop at times and you just think and you just imagine how wonderful it's going to be when God answers my prayer. And you start to really see it and it changes you physically. Just like the other scenarios I tell, I'm telling you, it really does. But now you just start, you can't help but praise it. Thank you, God. Thank you that you love me. Thank you, it's going to be great. It's called hope. You know what hope is? Hope is changes meaning. The truth, look it up in the dictionary when you get home. The, the word hope means an absolute calm assurance. You know something's going to happen before it happens. That's what hope means. We have changed it to hope to being wishing. Are you going to get better? I sure hope so. That's wishing. Are you going to succeed in life? I sure hope so. Are your kids going to ever leave the house? I hope so. (laughs) But that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is when you can say, yes, I have this calm assurance. Not sure exactly how it's going to work. All I know is that I know it's called hope. Not wishing. There's like, Calm, driving assurance in your life that God is with you. That you're going to come out on top. It's called faith. It's called hope. You say, Pastor, do you, mean, do you make it happen on your own? By no, that's, that's new age visualization nonsense. But it's interesting that they do that. Because it's kind of too, you know, a lot of false stuff is very close to the real thing. Well, you're not making it happen. You can't. What are you going to change by thinking about nothing? What it does is it gets your heart in a place where you can get to a place of faith. And you can start expecting God and believing God for miracles. And some of you, seriously, you can worry, you can imagine the lottery, you can imagine pink elephants with, with polka dots and, and wearing briefs or whatever I was having before, boxers. You can imagine all that. But you watch. Some of you, when you start to imagine your answer, you won't be able to do it. You know what it's called? It's called a spiritual stronghold. It's a spiritual stronghold. I remember when my wife first got cancer. And there were, there were tumors popping up on her leg because of this melanoma and stuff. And I knew before I could do anything, I had to get to a place where I wasn't freaked out because it freaked the willies out of me. You know, I always give myself at least 24 to 48 hours to freak out. So if you find out something terrible and you start screaming and crying, I'm with you. I'll get together. We'll all freak out together. All right? I'm good with it. But you can't stay there. I knew after my first couple of days, <laughs> that's okay. I got to get out of this. I've got to get, and I know because I always do this. And I remember sitting down I just, and I'm just worshiping God and I'm praying and I just started picturing what it's going to be like when those things would disappear on her leg and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know what it's called? It's called a spiritual stronghold. And immediately I began to fast and pray which is a big deal for me because I hate not eating. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> and I kept fasting and praying until just that broke. And I could find, all of a sudden I could just start imagining it. Yeah, I could imagine those things going away. And as we prayed and trusted God, those things eventually all went away. And God started answering prayers. He said, did I make that happen? No, it's just getting into a place of faith. 
a confidence, a hope, not a wish, but a hope, a confident hope that everything's going to be okay. And I remember friends coming to us and telling us, getting mad at us because we weren't freaking out. You're too, the doctor said, you're taking us, you're not taking us seriously enough. No, we get it dead. We get it. She could die. But we were filled with hope, with confidence. Say, do you always get your... No, I mean, things don't always go... But I'm telling you, you still got to get a place of faith. If you're going to have a shot of God moving in your life and asking you, you've got to get a place of faith. If you can't get to a place of just even the most basic form of faith, of just imagining God's answer in your life to a place where you can actually just start thanking Him, you're going to have a hard time. So I can't do that. Sure you can. Sure you can. Again, in the natural. You guys do this all... I remember one time, I was short like... Oh, $40, $100, I can't remember. We lived in Decatur, Illinois, the armpit of Illinois. Because it smells like the armpit of Illinois. Have you ever been there? Have you been there? Yeah, it's a lovely aroma, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! Anyway. And I, I remember, I, I, we, I can't remember, it was, a, it was nothing. $100. But when you have nothing, $100 seems like a million. And, and I didn't know what to do. And we had to pay this bill. And the world was coming to an end. And I was freaking out. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, and I remember calling my mom. God bless mom. She says, how you doing? I'm out freaking out. She says, well, what's the problem? I need a hundred bucks, man. And of course, she said, well, I'll send you the hundred bucks. Really? Oh, thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. I love you, mom. The minute I hung up the phone, I felt at ease. What had changed? Nothing. Did I have the money? No. But suddenly, I was as calm as I could be. As grateful as I could be. At as peace with the world as I could be. Do you know why? Because mom said, the check is in the mail. And it was as good as done as far as I was concerned. I had a very confident hope. Now, she could have stiffed me. She could have. She could have said, you know, I call him weak word. Hey, where's my money? Ah, I changed my mind. You don't deserve it. You know. <laughs> but the minute I knew she said yes, I was completely calm. And it stunned me. And I went, oh my goodness. Nothing's changed. The pressure's still on. She hasn't even gotten around to writing the check, much less putting it in the mail yet. Yet I'm completely calm because she said she was going to send it and I absolutely believed her. The same thing would happen with you. If you were in a bad place and you needed a thousand dollars and stuff and, and uh, Jimmy was going to give you a thousand because he loves giving people a thousand. Ask him anytime you want. Just ask him. Just... <laughs> I give you a thousand. <laughs> and also Jimmy says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the thousand dollars. I'll have it here by Friday. You would be so grateful. Some of you would start to cry. You'd be so happy. You'd just be elated. And what changed? Nothing. Jimmy said he's going to give you a thousand. You don't know he's going to give you a thousand. You can try it, but he doesn't give it to you. <laughs> All right? But why? Because he said it. Oh, man. How much more when we come to God? And we open the word and we see the promises that he's going to be there for us. And you say, you know, God has told me it's in the mail. 
I can picture it. It's in the mail. I know he's going to send it to me in the mail. It's not here yet. Might check the mailbox every day for a month. I don't know. But I know it's coming. Why? Because he said it would. And it changes things. Now, I got to tell you what. I remember one time, uh, Leslie, just right after she married Ross here. (laughs) You know, and we told Ross, man, she does not come with a receipt, Jack. This is it. Nope, no returns, all right? And, and I remember, it wasn't very long after they'd been married, and, and she comes into the house, and she's in tears. She's just in tears. We said, what's wrong? She said, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And we're going, oh, no! <laughs> no! Anything but that! So we just held our breath. What happened? I made a mistake in my checking book. I'm short $100. I went, oh, thank God. Here, have all the money you want. But if I said to her, don't worry about it, I just said, don't worry about it. I'll give you the $100. Of course, she was elated, right? She experienced what I just told you. But can you imagine if I would have said, I'll give you the $100, she says, but I don't have it yet. I'll give it to you. Well, where is it? <laughs> well, I have to go to the bank tomorrow. Well, go get it now. The banks are closed. <laughs> would you not at some point start feeling a little insulted? I said I would give you the $100. No, you're not. He said that 20 minutes ago. I still don't have the money. If she called me up at 3 in the morning, says, is it there yet? Have you got the money yet? That's exactly what a lot of us do to God. God says, I'll take care of it. <laughs> you won't. I prayed pray for a whole week. And it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and we wonder why we, we can't we not only can we not experience it we can't visualize it we can oddly enough visualize the worst somehow we're really great at fear but we can't seem to get to the place of faith we doubt God we say yeah that, that's what his promise says but that, that won't be for me like, and, and then we wonder why why we don't experience more miracles, why we don't get more answers to prayer, why things don't happen in our lives. Faith is a powerful thing. I'm telling you, it is amazingly powerful. When you have true faith released in God, the creator of heaven and earth, this very God who gave of himself for you and for me, who loves you passionately and I have no idea why <laughs> because I don't love you that much I like you but I ain't going on a cross for you man it ain't happening this God when you release that kind of faith in him to bless your life to empower your life to affect your life when you start reading the Bible and you actually holy stinking cow you start to believe it I believe that wow Were your circumstances say this I don't care I believe this yeah, but it's not in the mail yet. You know, that's okay. I, 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 
I think I'm going to get this. It changes you. It takes you out of fear and puts you into faith. Oh my goodness, if I could dance and make this get in your head, I'd start jigging right now. I don't know how else to get it to just just say it to you and give you as many examples as I possibly can. And uh, and doctors, I don't know what what is with some of these doctors, you know. Every study ever done on this subject shows that people with a positive attitude heal and recover faster than those of negative attitudes. But it's amazing to have doctors yell at you because you're not negative enough. What's the matter with you? Ain't you taking it seriously enough? Because they don't understand someone walking in confident hope even in the worst of circumstances. Say, Pastor, do you ever have hard times? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Why this redhead is still with me is a mystery from God. (laughs) The struggles we have had. The things that have gone wrong. I, I said this the other day on, on, I was doing an interview on TV or something like that. I can't remember. And, and uh, I said, you know, I, I believe in miracles. I've, ex- I've, I've experienced more miracles than anybody else I know personally. I'm just, it's true. Not, not that I've received the most, but I'm just, anybody else, I, I've received more. Mostly because I'm an idiot. And I get myself in stupid situations, and then I need a miracle to get out. Okay? A lot of you are a lot smarter than me, hence not the need for so many miracles. Is this making any sense? I got stories. We're not, there's no way you'll stick around long enough to hear all these stories. They're pretty funny though. You got to hear them sometime. But just amazing stories of just stupid taken to a high level. And even in the midst of the stupidest things and the worst of struggles and the most desperate of times and We'd be so poor, we had to look up to see how the poor people lived. I'm, I'm telling you, it was unbelievably hard times we've gone through in our life. But God would keep answering prayers for us and doing miracles for us. And even and, and, and people would... Honestly, I don't think we're any happier today than when we were completely broken. We should have been miserable. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, honestly. You know, right now things are pretty good in our life. You know, we've been pretty blessed. You know, our laughing way thing's doing real well. and, and uh, Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. You know, what was my big struggle last week? My personal plane isn't working. Oh, how hard of a life do I have? <laughs> but we're not happy because we have those things. We were as happy as this, if not happy, when we had nothing. Because we had God in our lives. And we're celebrating Jesus. And we've had this attitude separate from our circumstances. People would say to us, boy, you must really be sad that, you know, the doc, that your wife has cancer. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but we're not really sad. You know, I'm out having my first few hours of freaking out, but no, we got to a place of faith and hope. And not really. And people come to us, and when the doctor finally said she's completely cured and cleared, man, you must be really excited! Yeah. Actually, we were excited before we got the answer. So we did our celebrating in the midst of all the poo-poo. Okay? It's called faith. Seeing something in here opens the door for you to actually experience it here. It's not the other way around. 
And what this story tells me of Laban or Jacob is that he got his goats or maybe his guys or whatever. I don't know what was going on here, but they lived spots and streaks. Every time they turn around, they'd see spots and streaks. The animals would go to drink water. There's spots and streaks. Some animal got in heat. Quick, stick in front of a bunch of spots and streaks. And they all started having animals with spots and streaks. And he started getting all of it. Because he could see it here before he actually experienced it in the real realm. It's called faith. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. Yes, yes. All right, I'm done rambling. Uh, The ushers can come and we'll close out our, our service. We'll pick it up at chapter 31 as we go. There's some really cool stuff in here along with some really bizarre stuff, as you've already seen, but uh, uh, really interesting. And I'm looking forward to getting to Joseph, because what an amazing journey he had. But so much we can learn from these guys, even though this was 4,000, 6,000 almost years ago, a long time ago. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for all of your blessings. Lord, thank you for these wonderful, wonderful people that are here tonight and who gather with us to hear your word and to worship with us. I pray, God, that you would bless each and every one of them, help each and every one of them, God, to get to a place of faith, of hope, of confidence in God, Lord, so that you can start moving in their lives because when we walk in faith, there is nothing impossible. Help us to grasp that, I pray. Thank you for this time to give back into your kingdom. You've blessed us financially. You've met our needs. God, we give back and we honor you with what you've given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.